Hey, you, dare to think. Y'all ready to get funky? Pizza's great, but it's not the gospel. Welcome to the campus of LCMSU, everyone. I am the Chancellor, Pastor Marcus Zill. Warning, the show might trigger you. You don't love the gospel. Hey, who let the campus pastor loose in the studio again? Zilly Zilly. It is always great to have with me in the student union, one of my seminary classmates and good friend, campus ministry compadre, Reverend David Kind, University Lutheran Chapel in Minneapolis, Minnesota. How are you doing today, David? I'm doing great, Marcus. How are you? I am doing, as always, fantabulous. So obviously, it's been kind of an interesting time up there, huh? It has been. I mean, the heat that we're having today is uh, nothing compared to the heat that, that has been flowing through our city this past you know two weeks uh, after the death of George Floyd. Yeah. It's, uh, it's been crazy here. You, you know, you live in a city, in the, especially, I don't know, it's kind of, you know, Nordic, Minnesota, you know, Minnesota, yeah. and calm, and everybody's really nice on the surface and everything, and, you ne- and clean, and you never imagine that your city is going to be the center of worldwide riots and protests. Yeah, it doesn't uh, exactly undergird the whole Minnesota nice thing when people No, have, I'm sure the tourism <laughs> board is like, oh my gosh, what do we do with this now? Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. You know, um, but it's it's a real city too. It's with real city problems. And, sure. Um, you know, very diverse and and uh, we're learning more and more about that as, you know, oh, as these sure. days go on. So. Uh, you're just a couple blocks from the campus there. Off of yeah. downtown, uh, has, has how has the COVID nineteen stuff had had an impact on you guys? Well, it had a had a huge impact. Um, as as you probably know, Minneapolis was on, or all of Minnesota was on shutdown for a couple of months. Sure. And uh, one of the first things to close was the university. Right. So most of the student po- population of my congregation uh, went home, and a few of them that live locally stayed on. But uh, in terms of, you know, campus ministry, the normal stuff we do, like Bible studies and events and, and uh, you know, things on campus and stuff, that all just came to a like, screeching halt. Sure. As uh, our church, like most churches around the country, wasn't even allowed to meet anymore in person. Right. So not only did we have the university closing, but uh, as everybody else is dealing with this whole issue of, of uh, the shutdowns ending ending the divine service for all practical purposes. And so did my understanding is you didn't, you didn't hold it at all during this time? No, we didn't. We, we, uh, we didn't buy into the live streaming Hmm. movement that's going on around. We decided to do online prayers, Hmm. but not to stream church services because in my opinion, this, uh, while, while there's, you know, I can't say it's entirely useless to live stream. Um, people are hearing the gospel, but, the church is a sacramental body, um, and it's a it's a body that is needs to be corporately present together. And my fear is that by buying into to live streaming and virtual church, that we're really going to be end up denying the sacramental realities of our life together in Christ. And, and you're not even talking saying, just about 
the sacrament itself, but just kind of the incarnational idea of being the body of Christ in one place gathered there yeah. together. Well, that, that's right. But it is also gathered around the sacrament. Too. Sure. But but there's this, yeah, it's incarnational. When I say sacramental, I mean right. I mean that. I mean incarnational. God works through things, Sure. Um, that, that whole theology. And to make that virtual, to, to just sort of broadcast it, really becomes problematic. And then there's also a situ- the, the uh, issue of whether the divine service is something that we participate in as the body of Christ or something that we consume as the body of Christ. Sure. Uh, by consume, I don't mean sacramental consumption. Yeah, like like it's something take, on Netflix drink. that you can go watch it whenever you're ready to... Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Hey, I'm binging the divine service from ULC, uh, honey. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. I, I just right. made up for a whole month of not going to church in the last uh, last hour and a half. <laughs> well, yeah, because you can, you can like watch you can. it double speed, right? Which is what I would do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so, so there's that whole issue, sure. too. I mean, how much of this is participatory? No, I, I get it. I, I actually have felt the same way, and uh, I've been fortunate. I've been helping out probably three times a month at uh, this domestic mission congregation we have down here that lost its pastor uh, who had taken a call. Uh, St. Andrew in Albuquerque, and we meet in the afternoon and still have, they've been lucky, fortunate to be able to continue to meet, and I uh, haven't missed the sacrament. Uh, this entire time but uh wow, yeah i i've been one i've been worried too about i've i've actually appreciated those that have kind of said because you know you watch some of the and i don't mean to pass judgment on all everybody out there for trying to do the best they can oh no something that we never thought would happen but i i've yeah, often I think, I think all of these guys are actually they're they're trying to do the best sure, they can but they're there's just something not the same so i don't want to draw that in sure, question at all sure but there's something just not the same. I mean, I've actually appreciated that where people have said, okay, let's do some different, let's like make it look different enough rather than trying to replicate it as if everybody's there, but they're not. Um, right. And, right. and so I, even on our, like, like even on our Zoom prayer meetings, I'm not vested. I'm not conducting from the church. I mean, I conducted from my son's ping pong table because it's big enough for me to spread out my books. Um, it's, it's clearly not a church service. Right. It's we use the liturgy, sure, but it's the liturgy that you would use in your daily prayers. So you so just before we is, talked here, you just did one of these things just before we were interviewing this. Yeah, we did. We this. just did evening prayer. Yeah, but the idea is to use this opportunity to give people something that they can continue with when church is back to normal, right? Uh, rather than trying to replace church with something else. Nope, I get it. No, it's like a so, win-win. Yeah. Um, so thankfully, the last two weeks we've been able to have the divine service again. Sure. Um, and that's been really joyful for us. Oh, but yeah, I can the, imagine. Sort of the bittersweet part of it is, all of our students are, <laughs> for the most part, gone. Sure. You know, there's there's a handful. Uh, now, have the uh, riots have and the protests so. and all that such things? I mean, I know that you're a few miles from that area that was hardest hit in Minneapolis is, you know, being in a university town, being in a university, uh, has any of that kind of, uh, how has that affected you guys, or has that not been quite as big of a situation for you? Well, it hasn't been a huge situation for us directly, but because we are uh, a city church, one of the only ones right in the city in Minneapolis, right. um, you know, we have been praying for them and we've been involved uh, with the cleanup efforts and with uh, outreach efforts afterwards. And some of these protests, you know, marched right by our church. 
they were peaceful protests, thankfully. Um, but, uh, you know, when they closed down 35W, that's a block from my church. Yeah. Um, so we saw a lot of this firsthand. Thankfully, the, uh, the rioting uh, didn't touch our area. But, boy, our city was on fire in parts. Oh, I mean, bad. literally, it looks like a war zone. Was 35W? Um, that's, been, that's been tough for students. Sure. Because, you know, especially the ones who live locally to, uh, you know, to, to, to know what to do. Should I be protesting? Should I be, should I be standing up against the riots? Should, you know, is this right? Is this wrong? There's all kinds of dilemmas that they're facing right now. And increasingly, um, the way kind of the, uh, the, the bully system works these days, you don't really, you're not given much of a choice. It's like you're almost forced to pick one side or the other. You can't agree. It's like you're not allowed to agree. Well, yeah, I, I, this is very sad. This was unfortunate. It was tragic. It was horrible. I hope there's justice. But at the same time, I don't think we should be burning stuff down. You're not really given an opportunity to pick and choose. You kind of are almost asked to pick sides. And, of well, course, in, in your so. situation there, um, I mean, just today, um, we're recording this a little bit before Wednesday, uh, two days before Wednesday when it's airing, you know, um, the controversy over – not controversy. Uh, well, I guess it is over – you know, the mayor versus the city council about literally demolishing the uh, police department. Right, right. Well, and can, I, can I speak first of all to the not being able to make a choice? Uh, because I saw that firsthand. Sure. As uh, our students, we have we have six guys that live at Luther House, mm-hmm. uh, which is our campus ministry house right next to our chapel. Right. Uh, all of them are students or just graduated. Um, they're sitting out on the porch and a protest starts marching by. And people start shouting at these these young men, if you don't join us, you're not Christian. <sighs> so there's really this culture of we are the moral right, and there is no place for you to be morally right or to be a person of faith and not be here. Wow. Um, so that was that was surprising to me. Now, thankfully, our guys are, are strong enough in their faith that they weren't shaken, uh, but but they were shocked sure. that people would say that. I mean, of all the things you expect to see on a college campus, I guess uh, you wouldn't have, ex- I mean, you still wouldn't have expected that kind of right. level of interesting. Right. Oh. Well, thanks for reminding me of what everybody's going to face when they head up. You know, unfortunately, this might be a thing when we get, when our young people get back to college in the fall, if everything opens up and they might have to, it might be out and out protests per se, but it could be, you know, because a lot of this stuff has a genesis of the progressive mindset on our college campuses. Um, and I'm not talking about the legitimate protests and the grievances and people grieving over what happened, but in terms of just the flat yeah. out um, really anarchy and tyranny that we're seeing. Um, right. And so I, I, I fear for us. I would ask all of our listeners to pray for our college students, especially as they head back to campus um, this fall. Um, one of the things that, uh, one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you, we were talking about this a little bit before um, decided to interview today, is this idea of s- systemic change. We keep hearing this phrase, we have systemic racism, we have systemic this, we have systemic that. And in the aftermath of, of everything that's going on, everything's got a systemic problem. Um, what do you what do you make of this whole idea of systemic change, and, and how do we approach that as as Christians? Yeah, well, it's it's true that not all systems are equal, and and some things can be 
systemic problems within within these uh, these institutions. But I think the real issue is not the institutions we're dealing with or the structure of those institutions. It's that the world has forgotten what sin is. And the real systemic problem is not uh, what they think it is. Hmm. The real systemic problem is original sin. And that every human institution, no matter how perfect it is on paper, is going to be infected by the sin humans bring to it. So if you could have a system without humans, you know, maybe it would work. Oh, the Constitution in the United States is awesome on paper if it just wasn't for people. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Sure. Uh, But as soon as you inject humans, there's going to be abuse. There's going to be bias. There's going to be... Um, there's going to be power struggles, there's going to be sin. So I, I don't think changing these systems is going to do what people think it does. Now, I'm not saying that systems can't change. In fact, the church has been uh, pretty straightforward about over the centuries that we exist under whatever system happens to be, whether it's uh, a dictatorship or uh, you know an, an empire or a democracy or what have you the church continues to exist. And even in the church, we don't insist upon a certain polity and say it has to be just this way because we recognize that these things are, are human and therefore are inherently going to be flawed. The only thing that's not flawed is, is the kingdom of God. Sure. So our gospel lesson for this past Sunday, uh, for those of you who are celebrated Trinity on the one year series, Jesus with Nicodemus, right? (laughs) Right. And, and, uh, and Jesus says, you've got to be reborn, right? Hmm. You've got to deal with this situation of your enmity with God that's in you and with original sin if you even want to see the kingdom hmm. of God. And our society has moved so far away from recognizing this. It's, it's as if everybody now thinks they, that we can create a utopia if we just get the right minds together, and it'll fix all of these problems. Right. But the problem is every time someone's tried to make a utopia— it has been just absolutely disastrous, worse than the thing they were trying to fix. Oh, and you can't just, you know, so you uproot the entire police department because there are a handful or maybe more bad, bad cops, whatever. You're really uprooting. You're really up, uprooting the system doesn't allow you to go back. The new system might be worse than, than the, what you had before. Well, it might be. And, and even if it's not worse in terms of how it's structured and, and how it's thought out, it's still going to have human beings in it who are, who are right. sinners and who are going to take advantage of that system in some way. So it seems like the system, Pastor Kind, that uh, we really need to tend to. I mean, we've heard a lot of Christian pastors and others say that, you know, we really need to, I mean, this should be one giant period of repentance for all of us, should it not? I mean, if we could yeah, have an absolutely. opportunity to say, you know what, we don't know why this is happening, why it's going on, where it's going, but we do know this, that we need some systemic change <laughs> in all of us, and the only way that happens is through repentance and forgiveness uh, from Christ. That's right. That's exactly right. There has to be a change of the human heart, and only God can do that. Right, because that's what God does. He does it through baptism. He he doesn't ref. Now I'm talking in both ways. You know, you don't really get you don't you don't reform something that's dead. You have to make it alive again. Right. You Um, kill it and you make it alive. Right. So, 
It's very helpful. And, uh, you know, and when I was younger, I was, you know, when people are younger and a lot of the, the protesters are younger, they aren't old geezers in their mid fifties, like or early fifties, like we are. And they, you know, when you're younger, you're kind of like, you know, Hey, how come things don't change as quickly? They, they should, they should change quicker in the church. I've always uh, said lately, I'm glad things don't change quite as quick because abrupt change is usually a bad idea um, because you're really not counting the cost. Right. And I'm not saying that things shouldn't be reformed. Sure. I think Reformation is a good thing as a Lutheran, obviously. I think that the Reformation needs to continually be happening in our society and in our churches, but it's, it's a Reformation. It's not a throw everything out and start over and think that we're going to get it perfect. Right. No. And, um, you know, if, of course, what's happening is uh, the fighting over this and the ugliness over this and the bullying over much of this, um, you know, the whole idea of gutting systems, creating new ones, defunding the police. Um, we've even seen the rise of a kind of rampant civil disobedience and unfortunately uh, violence. I mean, you know, what does God's word tell us about, about anarchy? I mean, we there's no place for anarchy among us as Christians. I mean, on the one hand, you you say that your young men were sitting there getting yelled at, you're not with us. You know, you're not Christians if you're with us. But are we Christians if we get on board with something that ultimately leads to tyranny either? Well, no. And I'm not saying it's, that, that Christians should never protest anything. I think there's a time for protest. Sure. I mean, the Reformation, the Lutherans were called the, yeah, the we, Protestants, right? right? The Protestants. Um, we protested. Uh, and we stood our ground on the basis of God's word, even though all the powers that be were arrayed against us. There's something noble about that uh, when it's done according to faith. Um, but the idea of anarchy, you think about where that word comes from. It, it's a Greek, right? Uh, arche is, is, is head or beginning. Um, it's a word that's used to describe Christ. And uh, anarche means to be without a head. Hmm. Well, we learn in the scriptures that God establishes authorities, which are called arches in the scripture, um, specifically to keep order on the earth hmm. and in the church and in the family and in the workplace, right? All the places that we talked about vocation, all of them have people who are put into a position of authority, an arche, as it were. Now, anarchy says, I don't need that. It it really becomes a rejection, not just of earthly authority and structure, but ultimately of the one who gives authority, which is God, who is the arche, right? So so to be an anarchist really ends up being, I'm I'm against God um, because I reject God's ordering of things. Wow. I think I know better. And speaking of that order, are there any scripture texts that kind of come to mind that we kind of need to keep in front of us when we, you know, I often often think about the fourth commandment about honor, you know, the 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 seat of temporal authority. Are there any um, scripture passages that kind of uh, come to mind that you think we should keep in front of us as we consider these things? Well, there's actually several, but I think one of them that speaks very directly to to our situation now and especially to this issue of should we have police forces or not, is Romans 13, Hmm. uh, which is specifically about God having established 
earthly government for the sake of of uh, order in the world and of putting down evil and upholding what is good. And Paul says in, in Romans 13, if you resist the authority, you resist the ordinance of God. Okay, so, so that's, that, those are pretty strong words in light of what's going on in our day and age, uh, where people are simply saying, I don't want this government, I resist this government. I mean, that's one of the main protest words is resist, resist, resist. Right. Right. Well, th- there are things that you should resist to be sure where there's injustice and what have you. But to resist the thing itself, the authority itself that God has established, ends up being a rejection of God himself. And we have to remember that this government that God establishes, whatever form it happens to take, bears a sword. Um, It's there for the punishment of evildoers. And now people are calling for that sword to be taken away, that there should be no sword. Well, this is contrary to the word of God. Christians can't in good conscience buy into that idea. Well, because Paul tells us that uh, the government is God's minister, his, his, his servant, to do us good. The reason why he has the sword is to, you know, we always talk about this in catechism class and whatnot, you know, the whole uh, curbing of society. You know, even the gospel wouldn't have the chance to flourish if we don't have this kind of, uh, this kind of a, a head, whatever it might be, so that we have kind of a fenced pasture um, and boundaries so that we know where we can go up to here and no farther and just so that we have basic common civility. Right, right. It provides a, a um, what's the word I'm looking for? A, uh, a system, if you will. There, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> the word du jour. Right, right. A system that allows us to operate in peace, uh, and allows the gospel to flourish, right? One of the one of the amazing things about the birth of Christ is that happens during the Pax Romana, the Peace of Rome, uh, which allowed the gospel to, tra- to to go all around the world at that time, right? Had that not taken place, had there not been that peace with a strong authoritative government, which oftentimes was even opposed to the church, right? Sure. The gospel may not have proceeded as it had. Um, the Lord uses this not just for the sake of good order, but for the sake of, of the freedom to, for Christians to live in peace and to confess their faith. You know, we've got to wrap this up here. This is a great topic. But uh, as we think about, think about it, we've got an awful lot to, to, teach, to teach our young people when they come to campus this fall. It seems to me that we, uh, this is an opportunity for us to learn and grow in our own understanding of, you know, we always hear about the separation of church and state and, and the gift that uh, this is because God works through means in both kingdoms, does he not? Well, he certainly does. And, uh, I mean, this, this whole separation of church and state thing, uh, you know, the relationship of, of the church to the ruling authorities has hit us in so many ways this year, from the, the COVID lockdowns where, the, where sure. the government's telling us you can't worship to uh, these riots where people are saying, you know, we don't want the government anymore. Um, there, there's so many uh, ways that this is coming to the fore. And we need to we need to understand what the what the proper way to look at government is uh, 
and our role both as Christians as in citizens. David Kynes, the pastor of University Lutheran Chapel in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Hey, God's blessings to you the rest of the summer. Uh, we pray that uh, the, the fervor and heat, as it were, on campus and across uh, the city continues to stay calm and that God would bless the rebuilding of things and also bring peace to the hearts of those that have been affected. Thanks for joining us today, Dave. Always a pleasure, Marcus. Thank you for having me. That's all we have time for here today in the Student Union. Check out the archives of this program at kfu.org. Learn more about LCMSU at lcmsu.org. And remember, college is tough. You need Jesus, we'll help.